let's say I have a one nanosecond rise time mm -hmm. um, edge rate, and I've got a 10 inch trace. Deterministically speaking, I definitely have a signal integrity problem. If I terminate that properly, I will definitely um, have solved the problem. With glass weave skew, it's not really that way. Hi everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to the On Track Podcast. Did you miss me? I was gone for two weeks and one of the places I went was PCB West where I ran into an old friend, Bill Hargain, who is the CEO of Z0. Today, we're gonna talk about what sod-eating raccoons, skew and field failures have to do with each other. And we're gonna talk about things you can do to mitigate field failures and so much more. So lean in, enjoy. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to All Team's On Track Podcast, where we talk to leaders about PCB design, tackling subjects ranging from schematic capture all the way to the manufacturing floor. I'm your host, Judy Warner. Please listen in every week and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all your favorite podcast apps. And be sure to check out the show notes at altium.com forward slash podcast, where you can find great resources and multiple ways to connect with us on social media. Well, hi, Bill. Good to see you again. It was amazing to see you last week at PCB West, where we saw real human beings. Yes. That was awesome. That was only my second trip since COVID happened. So I, I was, uh, it was great to see you. And uh, really, uh, that was, uh, that was a, a fun, uh, fun evening after my training class I did. Yeah, it was really fun. My well, workshop. It was, yeah, it was same thing for me. That was my I haven't traveled or seen human beings in the industry since January of 2020. So coming up on two years, that's just sad. It's amazing. Yeah, I, we haven't I was all gone at, cuckoo. Right. I've, I've developed an entire uh, different uh, kind of ecosystem around me because of the pandemic but I was glad I went to uh, DesignCon um, mm. in August and uh, now PCB West. Those are my only two times getting on a plane uh, since the pandemic started. And then uh, there's another DesignCon in uh, April. I don't know, you know what's going to happen in the meantime if there will be more travel. But I think a lot of us have... Uh, you know, kind of created other ways to communicate like we're yeah. doing here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, again, good to see you. Great to kind of raise a glass and see faces again. And um, you and I were talking over sushi and, and drinks about your talk. And I thought, oh, I need to have Bill on and we need to talk about um, the subjects that you are so well-versed in. So before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners about who you are, give us a brief background on, on um, your history background and also uh, about Z0, the software you've developed. Okay. Yeah, um, my history uh, started in, at least in this space, I mean, way back when out of uh, grad school, 
Um, I was, you know, an uh, undergraduate engineering student. And then I went on, I kept going and, and got an, an MBA. And then I went to work for Boeing um, on the uh, space side of Boeing. And um, eventually, uh, I live up here in Redmond, Washington, not too far from Microsoft. And um, I, I, I wanted to get into the, uh, the CAD space. The, um, I was using CAD tools at Boeing. I wanted to, I worked some in, in uh, electronic cooling and I wanted to get into CAD design. So fortunately I, I ran into uh, the two founders at Hyperlinks back in hmm. the mid nineties uh, back when Altium was ProTel and <laughs> PCAD was PCAD, even, even before Excel emerged yeah. and all those companies came together. Mm-hmm. So kind of back in the early days, the pioneer days. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, I was the director of sales and marketing at Hyperlinks. And um, eventually... Uh, about 10 years ago, I, I left Mentor. Um, I had been working in uh, high-speed marketing and uh, did five years in the laminate space, working in the, the laminates that are used um, uh, with a company by the name of Nanya, headquartered in Taiwan. And I handled North America for them. So I kind of have... Uh, two ends of the spectrum covered in the sense of a pretty deep knowledge of signal integrity. And I used to travel around the world uh, teaching engineers and layout professionals about signal integrity, doing workshops and seminars and just globe trotting doing that. And, um, and then after working five years in the laminate space, um, while, while developing the Z0 software, um, which works with stack-up design. And so I went uh, full-time with Z0 back in uh, 2018, um, about this time in 2018. And uh, it's a software company. I've, I realized um, probably 15 years ago that there was... Uh, kind of a weakness in the market mm-hmm. in terms of people that could connect uh, signal integrity and stack up design and laminate properties all together. And so I, I got interested in it um, really 20 years ago, but more seriously interested 15 years ago. And uh, I've really, uh, really been pushing on it for you know much of the last 10 years and uh now i have a small eda startup um z0 we make stack up design software um with a field solver and a lot of automation and a library with 185 materials in it currently so uh, that's very cool pretty pretty good stuff yeah that's awesome well I really like the uniqueness of your background, right? That you've been engineer, you've touched signal integrity, you've touched CAD, you've touched laminates. And so we were just, you know, geeking out 
up at PCB West. And um, because we're weirdos, we start talking about skew in our free time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's something I've touched on a couple times here on the website, but I think you have even more depth on the subject. And so I thought our listeners would really benefit um, from hearing about that. And I know you also, don't you present regularly, Bill, at PCB West? Yeah, I've been uh, presenting every year doing a workshop on stack up design and material selection. Um, I've presented a couple of times on uh, loss, um, you know, planning for loss and glass weave skew as well. I might, um, you know, maybe next year I'll present on skew again. We'll see. Um, but I've, I've really been focusing for the last seven years on doing this all-day workshop on stack-up design. And I generally uh, present at DesignCon too. Usually, okay. at design, usually at DesignCon, it's a narrowly focused, you know, paper or topic. Uh, that's kind of how it works at DesignCon. But I've, I've tended to present at both. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you about that later. And I think you're going to give me an answer I don't like, but I'm going to ask you later about, because only, well, I'll just ask you now. So, but only people who attend Design Con can get access to those papers, right? And this, do they videotape it? Uh, they don't. Um, I've thought about that. At some point, um, I might start recording things mm-hmm. and get a little... Uh, laptop with you know terabyte of storage and hook a gopro up and uh kind of record things um i haven't done it yet but i'll probably do that at the next panel um i've also got some webinars on my uh website including a couple about glass weave skew that probably probably do a deeper dive than we'll do today and a bunch of blog articles that I have on my website okay. about All right, glass good. we've skewed. Awesome. That well, would be z- z-0.com. Okay. So. And I'm going to, for our listeners, I'm going to put that website in the show notes and we'll send you over there. So you know where to find that after. Okay. So let's talk about skew a little bit. Um, and I want you to keep in mind our promise of the website, which is one takeaway, even if it's a simple one, as well as to help some engineers uh, stop working on nights and weekends or work less on the nights and weekends and, um, and then send them to all that good stuff. So let's start right there. So skew, let's talk about skew. It's kind of been a hot topic the last few years, at least from what, what I'm seeing, maybe it's been longer than that. So for those who, um, don't know about it. It seems like we've, we, we kind of know what the problem is now. We didn't seem like we didn't know it for a while. And then we kind of do know it. And, um, but a lot of people out there too, maybe younger engineers, this isn't something you learn at university. So what is it and where can it bite you when you don't know what exactly is happening? Yeah. I think that's a, a well-framed uh, question. Um, let's, let's start with terminology. Okay. Um, skew between two halves of a diff pair has always been an issue since, 
uh, diff pairs started becoming more popular and more common in, uh, let's say, the, the 90s, mm-hmm. um, just loosely speaking. And uh, with low voltage differential signaling, um, we became worried about skew. Um, the layout tools um, at the time had to, had to learn how to balance the two halves um, of, of a diff pair. So, that you so the have... signal is launched and it's moving at the same rate, right? For n- novices like me. Um, yeah, uh, there's there. I mean, there's two, there's two things going on. One is um, I'm, I'm tracking with your question. Don't, don't worry. Go I'm for the, you. go for the, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little <laughs> more detailed yes. uh, on that, on that question. Okay. So there's, there's two things. There's the length of each half of mm-hmm. the, of the differential pair mm-hmm. and the layout tools have figured that out. You okay. guys, I'm sure at Altium can get uh, diff pair length matching down mm-hmm. to within a picosecond. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can. Yep. Um, then you've got the, let's say, BGA package launch. And sometimes you get differences in um, the, the length of the different um, breakouts coming out of a BGA package. Right. Uh, that's, that's largely been figured out as well. Okay. So those two parts, it's all skew. The skew can be um, end-to-end length. Mm-hmm. That can cause skew. Most mm-hmm. of that's figured out by the mm-hmm. layout tools, etc. Um, and then there's velocity. So you've got the same runway, the same length. Yep. But if one half of the diff pair goes faster than the other one, that's glass yep. weave skew. Okay. And it ties... It ties to the different velocities on the positive side versus the negative side. You want them to have the same average velocity or effective velocity end to end, but often they don't. And um, well, sometimes they don't. And that's, uh, I don't know if you want me to keep talking, but I could probably talk for yeah, I want to make sure we're speaking to the first year design engineer as well as the other person. So um, that's been around and, you know, talk about what the trend has been and what we figured out, right, as we go along. So um, that velocity difference, what what can cause that velocity difference besides what we're going to talk about, which is relative to materials. Is there something besides that that causes a velocity difference? Um, the CAD tools, when used pro- appropriately, all team designer, for example, have figured that out. They okay. figured out how to make those two halves of a diff pair essentially electric electrically the same okay and could could somebody screw it up i suppose so um but but the tools have uh enabled um length matching right 
And um, the only thing that I'm aware of, that I'm thinking of, um, so nobody in their right mind would, would design two halves of a diff pair to be physically different. Right. No one would, no one would be right. I, most people wouldn't be that yeah. foolish. Yeah. Um, and the tools help you with that. The only thing that I'm aware of your question that affects velocity um, in a negative way is, is what we're talking about. It's glass. Okay. Skew. Okay. Because it seemed like, cause again, I did a couple podcasts on this one. One was with Lee Ritchie and one was with Chris Hunrath from Intellectro. So he knows a lot about materials. And, hmm. and so those two gave me sort of different visions, but they were saying is that at least for a while, they, the industry sort of seemed baffled by it because even if you got the length matching right, skew is showing up and then everybody's scratching their head. Do you think that's a fair summation or did I misinterpret that? I think that was, um, you know, they might have been talking about when people first started to notice it, mm -hmm. you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and, and uh, you know, they're different. Uh, a lot of times we assume, uh, and, I, and I see this uh, commonly, actually, where um, engineers assume that everybody's designing at the same speed they are. And, um, and there's a big difference between somebody working at, you know, 10 or 50 gigahertz versus somebody working at, you know, a gigahertz or, yeah. or less. And sometimes um, engineers, possibly even people that you've interviewed, will say things that really apply to stuff they've been working on. So right. maybe, so maybe I'll give you an example. Maybe with Lee 15 years ago, he was, he was already dealing with this mm -hmm. and maybe 20 years ago, he was already scratching his head about it. Got it. But there, there are a lot of other people that are, that'll be, you know, watching this um, podcast where They've never run into it before. Gotcha. And, and there's something that I should say that uh, I don't know if this has been uh, emphasized by your previous um, guests, if that's what you call people on your mm -hmm. podcast, but um, this is a weird problem. And it's, it's a weird problem because it's, um, I'm going to use some fancy words, but people can you know, if they don't know them, they can pause the video and Google it, or, or I'll just define it. But there are deterministic problems mm -hmm. in signal integrity, right? And there are and there are stochastic problems, and this applies to you know the medical world, statistics, finance. Um, some things are deterministic, where you've got direct if then. Um, if I have a really fast rise time and, you know, let's say, let's just keep it simple. Let's say I have a one nanosecond rise time, mm -hmm. um, edge rate, and I've got a 10 inch trace. 
deterministically speaking, I definitely have a signal integrity problem. Mm -hmm. I'm going to definitely have ringing. I'm definitely going to have overshoot and undershoot. If I terminate that properly, I will definitely um, have solved the problem if I terminate it properly. Mm -hmm. So that's deterministic. Um, it's, it's all connected. Everything is easy to follow once you know the details and the rules and how to do it. And you right. can simulate it. Um, with glass weave skew, it's not really that way. And I've been racking my, my brain recently thinking, are there any other problems in the industry like glass weave skew that are stochastic? And, and I've thought of a few examples, if, you, if, if you'd like me to go into them. Let's go back to your, your um, to glass weave skew, like just the fundamentals. Like what causes the skew? How's prepreg made? Why does it cause skew? Like, let's just dig into that for a few minutes. Okay, so the the nuts and bolts of yep, why the we nuts have a, and bolts. The okay, so um, glass epoxy um, laminates. We have laminates. Laminates are made of cores and prepregs. Mm -hmm. Most of the laminates used today are reinforced with glass. Um, glass reinforcement is used for the same reason that rebar is used in concrete. Oh, I and, like that. I like that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, you've, if you've ever seen, you know, rebar being put down, it's, it's in the kind of X and Y, um, you know, it's a grid. Looks yeah. like, you know. Uh, spreadsheet. It's it's in a it's in a yeah, grid, but it's, it's in a grid. rectangular typically. Mm -hmm. um, so glass is used for the same reason, and um, it's it's to maintain the mechanical integrity of the the laminate uh, system um, in thermal cycling. Mm -hmm. So uh, PCBs go through a lot of uh, thermal events beginning at lamination. Mm -hmm. um, they go up to a really high temperature um, at lamination during solder reflow. Mm -hmm. and, and then temperatures go up and down uh, during operating conditions. Mm -hmm. um, some, some systems have to work when it's cold and they also have to work when it's you know, 150 degrees Celsius, for yep. example. Mm -hmm. um, so um, this is why glass is used. Same concept as rebar, like I said. Yep. So you've got this glass reinforcement. Um, and if it wasn't word, stable, there's a, it's a bunch of problems like misregistration, breakout of Things moving Roofles, around. Things moving around, you know, in a PCB assembly or a bare board, not good, right? Yeah, bonds breaking. Yep. Uh, delamination. Um, uh, little little micro cracks opening here and there that mm -hmm. eventually get filled with water vapor and mm -hmm. heat up. And when water vapor heats up, 
it's becomes a high pressure situation. Yeah, so there's an electrochemical migration um, called calf can occur in any of these little micro cracks. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot of the work that's been done um, from the onset of printed circuit board fabrication is to minimize the negative effects of heat excursions um, mm-hmm. on a P- on a PCB on a board, mm-hmm. and and glass has been a big part of that. Um, glass has some good properties that keep the resin uh, where it needs to be. Yep, keeps it from flowing everywhere. Yep, stretching out. Right, expanding. And so, what I understand when and I've worked in board shops, so I've handled the stuff, is you know, pre-preg is pre, you know, pre-impregnated glass resin with, I mean, epoxy resin with this glass, like you said, a grid. And so mm-hmm. you, you inform me, here's what I understand. So it's in a grid. So there's voids in between those grids, right? Voids of the glass. So you put a diff pair right. over the top of that pre-preg and so one side of the diff pair is over the glass and one is basically, I think of it going say, over the area where there's voids underneath, right? Where the crisscross happens, right? And so, right. and it, it can affect the signal speed, right? Right, right. And so yeah, that's, that- That's what happens. Okay, so- that happens. I call those resin, those voids, what you call voids and other people call voids. Mm-hmm. I call resin windows. I like it's that. It's a window Better. of resin. Yes. It's a window of resin. You right. See it. Right, right, right. So. And. Uh-huh. How, how your diff pair aligns with the underlying glass mm-hmm. and the, uh, the glass as well as the resin windows in the glass mm-hmm. affects the velocity of the two halves of the diff pair. Right. The, the glass has, I like using round numbers because it just makes it easier to think. Mm-hmm. Um, glass has a decay approaching seven. Okay. Um, resin has a decay around three. And so mm-hmm. if, if one half of the diff pair over a decay of three, the the decay is in the uh, denominator of the velocity of the signal. So right. the velocity of the signal going over something with a, a decay of three. Yeah. Um, it's actually the square root of the decay. But anyway, it's in the denominator. That's going to go faster than something, uh, than a signal with, primarily a seven in the denominator. Right. And that's this, that's the speed difference. Right. Between the two at slower speeds back in the day. Yeah. Um, didn't you, matter. You right. Didn't, you didn't worry about it. Right. And um, I would say uh, one thing that you asked me last week um, was when, you know, who cares? When do I care? 
Yeah. Like, when do I care at what speed, like what's that marker? Cause there's still applications where it doesn't matter. So yeah, that's the $60,000 question. So what say you? It's yeah, it's, it's an important question. Um, at, uh, again, I like to simplify things because I, I think if you, you know, from an educational standpoint, yeah. simple is, is good. Um, I would start, the short answer is I would start worrying at signals a gigahertz and faster. Okay. One gigahertz and faster signals. Okay. Part of the reason for that, so one gigahertz would be two, you know, two gigabits per second. Um, and the tolerable skew for a one gigahertz signal would be around a hundred picoseconds. Okay. That's, that's the tolerable amount of skew that you can have between half of a diff pair and the other half of a diff pair, hundred mm -hmm. picoseconds. Yeah. Well, that number just happens to coincide to the amount of skew that that can be seen between the two half you know yeah can typically be seen between two halves of a diff pair so right around a gigahertz you need to start worrying about it and thinking about it so let's think about speed uh, let's continue down that path um, so let's think about one gigahertz. Well, PCI Express 3, which, um, you know, 10 years ago, when it, whenever it was, um, 2010, something like that, um, was at 4 gigahertz. So 10 years ago, it would have been a problem with somebody doing PCI Express 3 design. Um, then uh, with PCI Express 4, the speed doubled. Now we're at eight gigahertz. Bigger problem. Yeah. And that's 2015. Fast forward to uh, 2020. You've got PCI Express 5. Um, so at uh, PCI Express 4 was 16 gigabits, or PCI Express 4 was 16 gigabits per second, but eight gigahertz. Got now... It. Um, some systems are shipping and people are developing uh, PCI Express 6, which is 64 wow. gigabits per second, and or you could say 32 gigahertz. Um, so the, uh, the speeds are increasing rapidly well into the, well beyond the range that you should be concerned about glass weave skew. Right. And, and it just kind of blew me away, Bill, honestly, thinking about this, that we just, I don't know, I'm not in it as deep as, as you are, but it's like, gosh, and it comes down to something like glass weave, right? Like the semiconductors and bus speed and all that is so amazing, but I think it's so easy to overlook these effects, especially because of what comes out of university, 
like we don't have a glass weave class or skew class in university. So you just got to like get hit on the head and then learn from a peer or bump into a Bill Hargan, not a conference. It's just, guy, can we just do away with that pain? <laughs> like, just seems painful to well, me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I haven't, I haven't heard, uh, you know, very many people or anyone else say it this way, but all of the details tied to manufacturing a board, everything that goes into making a board works against signal integrity and yeah. I, and power I heard, integrity i would say too right right yeah. um and i've i heard uh one you know uh, smart signal integrity guy say yeah the fabs always screw things up and uh, i think he said that the, you know they're at the hyatt after one of the shows and i thought about it and uh, I said, well, physics screws things up. It's yeah. not the fabricator's fault. Yeah. You know, they, they've got to make the board uh, work mechanically. And in the process of doing that, that's, that's what ends up, you know, screwing up signals. Right. Um, so and, and they're doing it not... all to spec within IPC standards and then taking the heat. And it's like, well, and I think that's the part of the, you know, what I'm learning from really smart people, Steve Sandler comes to mind. Uh, he said, um, you know, he's the power integrity guru. And he said right. that when, you know, he did the power on the flipping space station for God's sakes, but he said when he used to design he would have a note on everything that said, this does not include board effects because you didn't care and it didn't matter. And he said, now in today's world, it's all board effects. Right. And I'm like, well, are we talking about that? Well, clearly you are, which is why I wanted you to, to right. come on, you know, and that that's a crazy thought. Like I come from board fabrication and it's like, my friend used to call circuit boards, little green squares. It cracks me up with all this smoking technology and the things we can do today that are like miraculous, that it all comes down to that board manufacturing. Like that is such a weird, it does. such a weird thing for me to realize. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, and so more and more um, engineers and CAD people need to understand what's happening what's happening in the fabrication part of the world to screw up their signals and um people aren't migrating to that end of the pool quick enough um yeah. you know it's it's like those people um remember that they had that uh typhoon back in thailand and uh you know Bangkok or whatever a few years ago mm -hmm. well not Bangkok it's I don't think no. it's on the coast but uh you know whatever yeah Phuket, you know Indonesia and stuff mm -hmm. they're all going oh geez hmm wonder why the water's going so far out you know pass me the the suntan lotion yeah putting it on yeah the water's going out well and 10 seconds later they're floating next so to mommy and, right 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 and um, you, you've got to you've got to really 
kind of read the writing on the wall and and understand that designs are getting faster not slower you need to find out what could happen to your design that you can prevent proactively i want i want to get out um i want to get out a point about um it's unique i didn't finish this point earlier remember when i said deterministic versus mm -hmm. stochastic mm -hmm. yeah um the stochastic part of this plays out in the following way. So you'll have a, uh, let's say, and I've had this conversation a number of times. Um, you could say, how many of you have been, you know, bit in the butt by glass weave skew? And, you know, maybe a couple of guys. And, um, you know, out of... Uh, 20, maybe 10% of them have. Um, but the problem with glass weave skew is not that it hasn't happened to you yet. The problem is that it could happen to you and it's random. And you can, you can predict that it's something you should be concerned about. But you, and you can do things to mitigate it. Mm -hmm but you don't know if or when it's going to happen. And if you, it won't come out in a prototype. It's, it's one of the few things that won't come out in a prototype integrity. Um, simultaneous switching is, uh, you, you don't know when all of your high current ICs are going to be drawn power and you're gonna have uh, a power integrity problem. You don't know when that's gonna happen. So what do you do? You plan for the worst. You right. say, well, if all, these, if all these switch at once and then you, you design accordingly to be able to support all of them drawing current at the same time, that's how you handle simultaneous switching. With glass weave skew, you also don't know which which board or boards are going to have the problem, um, and you can't control it. Some engineers have said, "Well, can't I just control how?" The, I hear this probably once every two or three weeks. Can I just control how the glass registers under my artwork? <laughs> And no, of course you can't, but That's, they don't know that because they've never course, visited. Right. Cause they've never visited a board shop. So that's understandable. Yeah. It sounds nice. I, I said, I said, well, if you're doing really low production volumes, um, I mean, you could throw, you could test every board. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do to make sure that you don't have any glass weave skew problems. But if you're gonna do volume production through, you know, and, you know, just be cranking boards out, your, you know, glass weave skew is like yield. Um, it's going to, but yield is a little more predictable because you run a few lots, right? And you kind of know what your yields are in manufacturing. Mm -hmm and you can improve them. It's also stochastic, but it's not really random. 
uh, yields can become predictable after a few lots. At least Um, within an acceptable range, they can. Yeah, yeah, you're still. And you have a stable provide, you know, manufacturer. Yeah. Right, you're still throwing boards away, but you you know percentage and it's it's consistent and possibly improving. With glass weave skew, you don't know when it's going to happen. Okay, so here's my. I'm sorry, didn't mean to go ahead and finish your thought, and then I got questions. Well, I was I was going to say it's it's like uh, I don't like using a negative analogy, but it's. It's, I think it's appropriate. Um, it's like a heart attack or something, um, or you know, your, your yeah. house burning down. You, d- you don't think it's going to happen, but you still have smoke detectors and carbon right. monoxide detectors. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just sort of plan for it. Right. Um, I didn't think, you know, I, I laid, uh, here's a funny one. Um, we, we laid a uh, new, um, uh, sod in our front yard uh, mm-hmm. three weeks ago mm-hmm. and while I was at PCB West <laughs> um, raccoons came and rolled up all the sod and were eating uh, grubs <laughs> grubs and worms no way I didn't I didn't plan for that I'll I'll send you a picture now um, me and another guy tacked down chicken wire um across all the grass put it back pounded in the little little stakes to hold down the oh chicken wire gosh and we have a uh, ocean light um pointed on that grass they tore it all up it looked it looked like it was the weirdest thing i've ever seen so <laughs> so anyway why i said that but you guys can cut that out if you want no it cracks me up sometimes it's a thing i i googled it it's uh, raccoons can do that with sod and I posted it on Facebook and I got about four other people that said that it happened to them yeah I didn't know it was a thing yeah and I don't so I don't think that's outside. too far off I think it's a good comparison to what happens because you don't know when it's going to happen and sometimes you don't even know you know your your design could have changed or you you might have change some parts out and then you're up in a space where it needs to be whatever you know it's well, it's, 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 a, it's somewhat random yeah um it's it's what is the chance um there, there's a non-random component though that yeah. a designer can control and i think that's part of our discussion too is okay what's the non-random part like well how, okay how can, I, how can someone control it Okay, so here's my question. So I know from other conversations that the answer is spread glass, where those windows are effectively closed up. So the DK on both sides of the diff pairs are running approximately the same speed. That solves it. So here's my question, spread glass. Is it available? Is it expensive? Is there a, you know, an upside or a downside to using it? You know, like, so in other words, why wouldn't just everybody at certain speeds just use spread glass all the time? Yeah. um, So even with spread glass, you're going to get um, velocity differences um, between the two halves of a diff pair. 
And um, so um, it's not perfect. So what they've done is resin windows have shrunk with spread glass and spread glass has become more uh, common. Uh, it used to be, uh, let's say, you know, 15 years ago, getting spread glass was not a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, within the last 10 years, it's become more consistently available. Mm -hmm. It's not the only way to deal with the problem, and it's not a perfectly deterministic answer to the problem. Okay. Um, uh, you're still going to get velocity differences because you're going to have almost always more resin under one half of a diff pair than under the other almost always okay so i would call spread glass a mitigation technique okay so it's, it's the not resin not just the glass is a problem so it's not just the windows that are a problem it's the way the resin is spreading well it's it's how much um so your signal is going to couple um to a nearby the e fields are going to couple to a nearby reference plane yep and that e field concentration under the two halves of a diff pair i'm looking at my hands and their signals here um <laughs> but the two halves of the diff pair um are going to have just because it's manufacturing they're going to have slightly different amounts of resin around them. Mm -hmm. Resin with a decay of three, glass with a decay approaching seven, using okay. round numbers. Mm -hmm. And because of those differences, you're going to have um, a velocity difference end to end. The question is, how much can I control it? And how much is too much? Those are the questions. How, how can I, we, we might want to transition to, and we already have uh, started to, how we can control it. I've, um, I've yeah. come up, collected over the years, uh, a list of 10 different ways. Um, you know, there are 50 ways to leave your lever, but there are 10 <laughs> ways that you can um, uh, deal with glass weave skew. Okay, so give us a brief overview. I feel like that's a whole other podcast where we just sort of tackle those. So give us like the top three. Like for our listeners, what's one or two or three things you can do right now? Is there such a thing? That are always going to... That are going to help. They're going to help, maybe not fix the whole problem, but what are the, like, well, okay, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, uh, I can, I can go through them, you know, fairly quick. Um, angled routing, uh, is a deterministic solution where you do, uh, let's say, um, uh, some, some do 45 degrees that takes a lot of board space. Yep. But you, you can go uh, 10 degrees up, kind of zigzag routing. 10 degrees up, 10 degrees down, 
10 degrees yep. up, 10, 10 degrees down. Yep. And if you do that with your diff pair, it'll, it'll uh, wash out uh, the glass weave skew pretty effectively. Okay. Um, that's one way to do it. Now, it is going to work at 64 gigabits per second or 32 gigabits per second. Might have to simulate that. Um, I've seen I've seen as little as uh, you know see, uh, 16 picoseconds of skew uh, mess up a PCI Express for interconnect. Um, hmm. So, you know that's not much skew. Um, right. It uh, you know not much at all. So um, angled routing can help. Okay. Um, it's not it's not perfect, but it can help. Okay. Um, some people ro rotate their artwork. Um, I recommend yeah. rotating 10 degrees, no more. Mm -hmm. Some some ro rotate up to 15 degrees. Mm -hmm. But beyond um, beyond 10 degrees, uh, you're just wasting more material. The problem there is cost, but oh, it's yeah. a, it's not it's not a bad solution. Um, it it uh, makes it so that um if you picture glass as like you know railroad tracks or speed bumps and your wheels are going over it um one of the problems of glass weave skew is the differences between two wheels going um mm -hmm. that's i've opened up a whole whole different yeah uh, analogy now sorry about that that's okay but um that's uh another way to think of it. But, so when you, um, I've heard this, I, um, particularly there was an application where Intel, so you, you put the artwork at an angle, which gives you more material loss on a panel overall, but then instead of windows, you kind of have a different shape, right? More like well, dim you have diamonds costs. or yeah. Yeah. The, the, the issue. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The, the downside is higher cost. And usually you waste, um, if you rotate 10 degrees, you're going to waste 15% of the material. If you rotate, you know, 15 degrees, you're going to lose about 20% of the material. And so you're spending more money, but, but you're, uh, sort of, you're you're making so that one trace isn't systematically going over more resin than the other one. It, it corrects that because because of the angle. Um, so that's uh, uh, that costs some money. Um, what what I do uh, there there are two others uh, that we do. Um, that we help with in my software. Um, one is that you can do uh, dual ply glass uh, that has the effect of shrinking resin windows. And I've written an article about that using dual ply glass. Um, the other thing that, that we uh, recommend and, and do within our software is uh, aligning the differential pair pitch with the underlying glass. So the, the, the diff pair pitch and the glass pitch are the same. Oh, okay. 
Interesting. And, and that's a cheap one and an expensive one. I don't know if you want to go through the whole list and do it in a different um, podcast, but we can if you want. I think we need to have you back for part B. I'd say okay. let's make this a two-parter. I think you've probably whet the appetite of our listeners. And when sure. you told me you knew more about glass skew than other people I talked to, that is an understatement. So I want to, I want to, and I'm learning so much and I trust our listeners will as well, Bill. So let's just agree to have you back for part B. Um, we'll definitely for our listeners put some links in and you can go down this rabbit hole more with, you know, stuff that uh, Bill has out on the Z zero website and, and yep. I'll, I'll cram some good stuff in there for you um, as well as Bill's LinkedIn profile if you have some questions nice. along these, along these, but let's, uh, let's put a pause in it because I can tell we have to go. Uh, we have a long way to go and there's much more to share, but thank you so much for joining today and, you know, teaching, you know, teaching our listeners how to do it better, mitigating some of this place, and then kind of telling us where to go to learn more. It's a, it's a complex subject, but you know, once the speeds get up there, it's one you that don't can, have a choice. Yeah. And it bites you and it's not good. So, and you, and you don't know when, and you don't you know, know when that's awful. That's like, it's, it's awful. It's like it's engineers don't like problem. that. Yeah. It's the worst kind of problem uh, because it happens in the field. And hopefully people know that field failures are way worse than prototype failures. Way worse. And then, and then you're playing whack-a-mole. And you're in Why trouble. did it happen? Yeah. How prevalent is it? Why did it happen? Yeah. We're getting returns. We don't know why. Yeah. Um, Cross-section the board. We've got to figure it out. And you could have prevented yeah. it. Yeah. You know. So I'm all, I'm all for helping um, our audience prevent. You have check boxes for what, uh, what you like these podcasts to do. Do you think we hit some of them? I do. I do. And again, our listeners, I encourage you to like chime in and say, oh my gosh, I ran into this. What else? What do you, what else do you want to know from Bill? And please, you know, um, if you enjoyed this, give us a like subscribe and please respond in the comments, um, you know, either on a podcast app or on YouTube and tell us like, tell us your war stories and what else you want to learn. And then I'll get back together with Bill Hargan and, um, and we'll, we'll put some stuff together for you. So Bill, thank you again so much for joining us and sharing your expertise with our audience. You bet. And it was fun to Anytime. be with you and hopefully we'll see you before long again. Yep. I'm happy to do another podcast at any time. Always okay. happy to, to help, um, uh, educate people and, um, same goal as you. So thanks, thanks. Judy. Appreciate uh -huh. it. Thank you. For our listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. Please chime in, tell us you want, what you want to learn uh, more from Bill. We enjoyed being with you again this week, and uh, we'll see you a week from now. Until then, remember to stay healthy, stay safe, and always remember to stay on track. Music.